0: We are in a series on some selected parables, and as Mark mentioned earlier, we just had a garage sale in here, and everybody likes a deal, especially this time of year. Everybody looking for a deal. It was interesting when we did a yard sale a number of years ago when my grandmother passed away. People would linger around the yard for a half hour and wouldn't grab a thing, and then it was getting late, and we just said, "Hey." Fill a grocery bag for twenty-five cents, and they would just pack in stuff. And it's, it was just the, the idea that I, I'm getting a deal, and we we love deals. And one of the greatest deals I came across this week, as I was thinking about an illustration, was uh, from the Chicago Tribune. It was a cover story that covered in uh, November of 1986, which quickly gained national attention as a once-in-a-lifetime deal. There were two little boys, they were brothers, Jonathan and Stephen Wetstein, eleven and four years old, that each gave the money they had, $5 apiece, to their father, to pull their money and to buy them a sapphire. Now their father, Roy Wetstein, was a gym dealer who had a, an eye for um, trained to discover potential in uncut gems, and he was going to a trade show so he took his son's ten dollars and he fished through some dusty rocks from a Tupperware in an amateur section of an Arizona mineral show and he used the boy's cash to purchase what ended up being the world's largest star sapphire. Was 1905 carats Sapphire was over 700 carats larger than the previous world record and initially appraised in its raw form at $2.5 million. Now that's a deal of a lifetime. And when he was interviewed, Roy Wetstein told the press that he intended to sell the sapphire as is and create a trust for his two sons' future, which no doubt brought them great joy. Story of two boys who joyfully gave all they had to gain something more precious than the world had ever known. That's the stories we're going to hear today from the mouth of Jesus. Two stories that tell about people who find the deal of a lifetime. So follow along with me, if you will, just three verses. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44-46. 44-46. through 46. This is God's word to us. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in, a, in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Two powerful and short parables about the kingdom of heaven. This first parable about a treasure in a field is the the one we we come to first. And, And this is most probably... A parable about a, a day laborer. It would be men who, blue collar guys who would go out in the the public square and and men who needed work done would, would call these men out for a day and they'd pay them a day's wage to work in their field. And and in working in this field, he comes across a treasure. Now in that day they didn't have banks, they didn't have safety deposit boxes, they didn't have vaults. And so if you had wealth and you had riches, many people would would bury it in the ground or hide it in a cave. Somewhere where no one would find it. Was there a way of of securing it? Because if you had wealth in that day, you're either susceptible to thieves and robbers, or Rome could tax you. And so many times these people would, would sneak out in the night when no one was paying attention and they would find strategic locations to bury treasure keep it in a safe place, to deposit it underground as a safety deposit. And at times, these people would get ill and die, or they'd get killed in war, or uh, there'd be some unforeseen circumstance where no one knew where the treasure was, and then they passed away. And on occasion, people would stumble upon these treasures. And so, the only rightful way to acquire that treasure would be to buy the field. And so when this man sees this treasure in joy, he goes and he sells everything he has. And he buys the field. My brother loves to plunder. We were talking yard sales. And uh, he, he loves to go to yard sales. He loves to plunder. He used to plunder at my grandma's house. And he had a friend when he worked at UPS that had an eBay store. And he told my brother, man, if you go to yard sales, man, you'd do well with an eBay store. And my brother's like, man, nobody's going to buy this junk, you know. And uh, he's like, well, why don't you buy some stuff, bring it to me. I'll put it on my store and I'll show you, show you how it works. And so my brother did. And he bought a cookie cutter in the shape of Snoopy for 25 cents. And it went crazy crazy. On auction and I think it ended up going for 40 or 80 dollars and my brother literally called this lady up and said why in the world did you pay that and she said it's like this collector's thing so my brother's now honed in on his marketing plan he's going for cookie cutters and so the next yard sale he goes to he finds a brown grocery bag full of cookie cutters for like three bucks and he comes to the lady and he's shaking. He knows what's in this bag and she doesn't know and he's afraid she's going to find out. And, and he has this giddy joy that he has a treasure in his hand for a very small price. And, and this is somewhat the picture we get of this man. He, he stumbles upon this immeasurable treasure. And he covers it back up, and in this giddy joy, he goes and he says, I got to get rid of everything I own because I got to buy that field. And I hope nobody finds out until I get back and make my purchase. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this. This man knew it was important to take decisive action while the opportunity was available. No cost was too great because it was a deal of a lifetime. And Jesus quickly proceeds into another parable about a pearl of great price. And this parable has a similar theme, but a very different context. This is not a blue-collar man. This is a wealthy, white-collar, world-traveling businessman. And he's got a particular eye for pearls. He's a collector. And in that day, pearls were considered one of the most precious commodities. And unlike the man who stumbled in the field and found the treasure, this man is actively seeking to find this particular treasure. He, he is looking for pearls. And he knows pearls. And he knows how to spot pearls. And he knows where to find them. And he comes across one that captures all of his affections. And in joy, he gives up all the other pearls he's ever collected to buy this one. And Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's worth cashing everything in to gain it. So, these are the stories. So, what's the point of these parables? What's Jesus trying to convey to us about the kingdom of heaven? This saving reign of God in Christ that we call the kingdom of heaven, that's partly present now, partly in the future. What is is he saying about that in these two stories? Is this about the value of God's kingdom? Or is it about the cost of discipleship? Or is it both? John Piper wisely writes on this passage, "...the kingdom of God is so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off." Let me say that again. The kingdom of God is so valuable... That losing everything on earth, but getting the kingdom, is a happy trade-off. Or Maybe a way I would capture what I think is going on in these parables would be to say it this way. True exposure to God's saving grace, God's amazing grace, results in a life-abandoning joy. True exposure to God's amazing grace results in life-abandoning joy. See, the point of these parables is not about guys who who gain financial security or or who spun a big deal. It's about giving up whatever we cling most closely to for safety and significance and security in order to to gain the thing that can only bring us true security and, and those things are different for each of us things that we cling closely to things that we search this life out for things that we hope to stumble upon that we hope will satisfy or give some sense of comfort or safety or security or significance For some, like the merchant, it might be the pearl of financial security, where if you just have enough in the bank for your future, all is well. For some, it might be the pearl of popularity, reputation or status, or control. For some, it might be relationships. Relationships. For me, it was pleasure. Worldly passions. A man stumbling across the wasteland of a field looking for anything that would satisfy. God arresting me on a road facing death. Like the song we just sang of things that promised joy in life but were leading me to a grave. And God met me there. And in joy, I I threw it all down for the deal of a lifetime. The the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, life eternal. To give up the shackles I was wearing. And, And we all have these pearls that we carry. We all have these things we pursue. That we assume will satisfy or bring safety or comfort or security. And many of them are not bad in and of themselves. But when they become the ultimate pursuit of our lives. They offer a false sense of security. And they blind us to our need of the grace of God. And they must be abandoned for this grace to be received. And one in particular, one one pearl in particular I want to hone in on today was true of the Jews that were hearing this parable but I think it's also true for us today a danger that we face there is a there is a there's an emphasis on joy in these parables there's a focus on joy that the result of, of exposure to God's amazing grace should produce joy and yet Christians can lack joy. And I think one reason why is because of this pearl. It's the pearl of religion. You see, the Jews hearing this parable would have clearly boasted in all of the pearls that they would have as good Jews. They have the the pearl of the law. They have the pearl of being God's chosen ethnic people. They have the the pearl of of good works. They have the pearl of God's promises. And yet in, in, in the hearing of this parable, Jesus is saying... But, but you're missing the true treasure because you're you're not looking beneath the surface of what God is doing in me Messiah. You you can't see past my flesh to see the great inheritance I'm bringing through the divinity I bring on your behalf. And and you're clinging to your pearls, but I'm telling you, I'm the pearl of great price. I'm the one that all of the pearls culminate. All the things you hold to are answered in me, are culminated in me, are fulfilled in me. And if you want to follow me, you got to let all those go. You can't find your identity in those. Paul and his testimony this man was a true Jew. He was there who killed the first Christian. He witnessed the whole thing. And he writes to a church in Philippi. And he says this. He says, if anyone has reason for confidence in the flesh, that means being a good religious guy, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, like good Jews would do. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the choice tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, It's a good conservative. It's to to zeal, a persecutor of the church. I not only only was a religious man, I would crush movements that would jeopardize what what God was doing in Israel. I would crush the church. As to righteousness under the law, I was a blameless man. You couldn't point a finger at me. I, I upheld the law. All these pearls I had. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ the pearl of great price i will lay all these other pearls down because he's the one and i will i will i will give my life's pursuit to pursuing him the rest is rubbish but that's a pearl that's hard to get rid of i think it was true then and i think it's true now and this text, as I mentioned, places emphasis on joy. And I think many of us as believers, we can relate to the joy that comes in our initial salvation. We, we read these parables and we say, yeah, I remember that. I, you know, I, I remember when I just, it was a no-brainer. It was a deal of a lifetime. I just threw everything down and, and, and Christ was my everything. But if you've grown up in the church, or if you've grown up around Christian Culture, it's easy to pick that pearl back up. And joy's at stake. Joy's at stake. The, the mark of a Christian should be joy. And if we pick those pearls up, our joy will be diminished. And a man by the name of Martin Lloyd Jones wrote a book about this. It actually was a series of sermons that later was published into a book called Spiritual Depression reason he embarked on this series was because he was observing scads of of professing Christians who were were joyless and he did not have a category for that he did not understand how a Christian could not have joy because as we see in this parable joy is a distinguishing mark of the Christian from the starting gate and so what would cause a Christian to lose their joy and his what he found was that good Christian people who grow up in good Christian context have all the right categories, but they fail to apply a very important one. And that's the free grace of God in the gospel. And when you miss that piece at the starting gate, you lose joy for the whole run. And it's because we're building on improper foundations And we see from this parable that that joy should be the natural outflow of all that God has done for us in Christ. And yet, we can fail to have joy. And as he said, people with church background are particularly susceptible to this. When we base our relationship with God on our ethical performance rather than on the work of Christ, we're running down this road. You're one of those people who live in depression or despair because you you know you don't pray enough. And you don't read your Bible enough. And you don't love people well enough. And you don't give enough. And you don't deny yourself enough. And you don't tell enough people about Jesus. And it's never enough. And you live under the weight of all of your failures. And you have no joy to be found. The doctor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, would diagnose you with spiritual depression. And there are those times where you see this rare exception of people who they just seem to have joy regardless of what they're going through. They'll, they'll sit by a spouse that they've loved for 75 years and they will have joyful tears in their eyes as they tell them goodbye as they enter into the kingdom. And and they never say a negative word. They never have a criticism of anybody. As they get older, they just get sweeter. And we say, oh, that could never be me. And it's probably because we build on the wrong foundation. Because this parable tells us if we build on the right foundation, joy is to follow. But if we're on the religious treadmill and trying to keep our action in, in compensation with what we deserve, we're going we're to continually live in frustration and fear and without joy. Those joyful people, Lloyd Jones would say, is because they have built their life upon a proper foundation of God's grace. The amazing grace that produces a life abandoning joy. These are people that see that our biggest problem is that we've violated a holy God. It's not that, you know, maybe I'm not a murderer, maybe I'm not an adulterer. But when I look in the Old Testament, there's a command to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And there's not one of us in this room that fulfill that command. And the justice of God tells us that He has to prosecute us. He has to judge us for our failure. He has to deal with the inadequacies in us. And that comes at an eternal price. And we all fail miserably. And we have no hope. And we wander through our fields and we search through this life trying to find significance and meaning in a place that we can land where there's peace and there's, there's joy and, and there's hope. God says to us, here it is. And his name's Jesus. And I've not put him out of your reach. I've I've deposited him in that field, that barren field that you wander in. And I want you to find him. And I want you to see the immeasurable gifts, the, the inheritance, the glories forevermore by just walking away from all those shadows you chase. And embracing this pearl of great price. And, and that will produce joy. It's solving our biggest problem. It's it's answering life's deepest questions. It's hope for the future. It's steadfast security. And when we put any of our other problems on the scale, they pale in comparison to what God has done for us in Christ. And the scriptures say, if he's not withheld that, how will he not much more do all things for us. He'll take care of us. We can be joyful people. We can have a lot of problems and it doesn't matter because God's on His throne and He loves us and He's made a way. He's made us sons and daughters and there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There There is no wrath for Him to pour out anymore. It's been satisfied in Christ. In that pearl, in that that treasure is the surety of that price that's been paid. But we can so easily forget. And joy escapes. I mean, think about this. This, this man in the field, he, he, he finds this treasure. He covers it back up. He goes and he... He fulfills his legal obligation. He sells everything he has. He goes and he, he digs up this treasure. He takes it home. He shows it to his family. Couldn't spend it in his lifetime. His kids couldn't spend it in their lifetime. But a few months go by. And he tucks it away so it doesn't get stolen. And he's, he's got it hidden away. And he forgets about it. And an accident happens. And now he owes a debt. The debt he can't pay. And he goes back to work in the field. And day and night he labors and he kills himself. And his knuckles are bloody and he doesn't see his family. and And he labors and he labors and he labors. And he cannot pay the debt. And he lives in low grade guilt all the time because he's a failure. And every night when he lays his weary head on his pillow, he's within arm's reach of paying it off without a question. Unsearchable riches. And how often as God's people do we lose sight of our inheritance? Do we lose sight of what God has done in the gospel that would free us from any worry, that would free us from the burdens that we carry, that would make us joyful people because the work is done. But we need reminders. We will so easily forget this. We we experience this at our salvation, but then we we forget about it. And we move on. And if we're going to be joy-filled Christians, we can't walk away from the reality of the gospel. We can't move into the performance trap. We've got to land squarely of what Christ has done. And we've got to let that cause us to be filled with joy and free us to live in ways that glorify Him. And we see this in the scripture, Psalm 103. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his benefits. There's a, ten, there's a tendency to forget his benefits. Forget not his benefits. And he starts listing them off. Or in another place, the psalmist talks to himself, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Praise the Lord. Stop looking at the clouds and see the sun breaking through. All your problems are solved. Your greatest issues are covered. And there's promises from a steadfast God that will carry you to the end. What what are you pouting about? Is what the psalmist is saying. But we can so easily forget. And sometimes we got to take our soul by the hand and we got to say, come with me. We're... We're going for a walk up Calvary one more time. Because you've forgotten where you've come from. You've forgotten what God's given you. And you need to remember. I don't need to look back far for my own application. It's not been an easy week for me. But uh, God gave me a song. Not a new song. You actually know it. It was just God's kind way of showing me, even in application, what I think he wants us to live in. And You'll know this song. It popped into my head when I'm driving. When Satan tempts me to despair. Plenty to despair about if you forget. Tells me of the guilt with him. Plenty of guilt. Plenty he could accuse me of. Upward, I look and see him there. Who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died. My sinful soul can be counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me and you can take that to the bank and joy is your receipt when you when you get that in your hand and and God's people should be reveling in the glory of what God's done and reminded fresh and new because just like we heard last week with the the four soils you know these these parables get complicated because they kind of lay on top of each other you know you get this parable about this great treasure. But I can't say, you know, well, I'm good soil. Check that box. You know, move on to the next parable. This week, I got weeds growing. You know, the the rocky soil, the trials come in. Says that they embrace the word with joy. So, I mean, they're doing everything this parable is telling me. But trials come. And it burns up the the seed that was planted. And i got a bird named Satan that's trying to strip the truth away that gets planted in my heart every time God throws it down by one of His servants. And I have thorns growing up in my garden trying to choke out the fruit of the Gospel. And i got to constantly be tending that soil. I can't just check off I'm a good soil box. You know, I'm a genuine believer. Move on. I got work to do all the time. You have work to do all the time. And the enemy wants to get us away from this magnificent treasure, this magnificent pearl that will produce the joy in our lives that the world will see and know that God's on His throne. What a Savior. What a treasure. What a pearl. Willing to to give up everything to say, that's all I need. That's that's all I need. It's all I've been looking for. All all of the things I've been chasing are are really all here. I've been made for eternity. I've been made for rest. And my heart is restless until it finds its rest in you, is what St. Augustine said. And these moments, these reminders, where we Grab our soul by the hand and walk it up Calvary again. Say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not His benefits. Those are moments where we can get fresh faith and renewed hope and joy. And there are new opportunities for us to count more things as lost, to give it up to follow the one who gave us everything so that we, in turn, might have everything in Him. Now, for those of you who are here and who are not Christians, the following parable is about judgment. There's a day coming when when God is going to sort everything out. And the men we find as examples in these two parables today took decisive action when the opportunity to act presented itself, and there was no cost too great. So if you were here and God has has cracked the door at all to the majesties of His mercy, to the beauty of His grace, there is no price too high. I would appeal to you, my friend, to abandon everything today to gain Christ walk away and grab the one that your soul's been longing for all along